so we've made a big switch from turkey on Thursday, leftovers on Friday, scraps on Saturday, and now we've moved away from pumpkin spice to peppermint. Do you see the change? It's in the air. We moved from Thanksgiving, and now we're going towards Christmas, but what we did last year, and we want to do every Thanksgiving, is to not go by too quickly, but to take a moment and to give thanks specifically for what Jesus has done in our life, in our family, in our world uh, around the table. So the plan is, I want to share for just a few moments, and then we're going to give thanks as a large family. And uh, Kenny is going to have a microphone, and we're going to go around, and we want to hear what God has been up to. In a sense, the teaching is today, uh, today is not by me, but it's by all of us. We want to learn from each other's experience. So Kenny, in a little bit, will go around and And if you have something to share, we're going to invite you to give thanks to God for what he has done specifically. And it's not the generic God's been good. Well, how has he been good? And I think that we're all going to be encouraged by that. And then after that, we're going to move to the table because we don't have a chance to hear from everybody. And if you don't get a chance to share to the whole group, we want you to share around your table. Just give thanks. Here's what God has done. Here's where I've seen him. Hey, it's been a tough year, but here's a little bit of the light. That was shining in my world uh, in the last 12 months. And then we're going to take communion, not collectively, but you actually have at the center of your table the bread and the cup and your kind of micro family, the seven or eight people around you. You get a chance to give thanks around the table at the center of your table today. So that's a bit of the plan for today. But uh, before we do that, we want to give thanks and think about what root our thanksgiving ought to have. Because I think that we could all agree that for most in our culture, uh, thanksgiving is rooted in my experience. When things are going well, I am grateful. But when things aren't going my way, I get confused. So thankfulness or thanksgiving is often connected with my circumstances. But we find in God something deeper. There are deeper Roots. Well, just in the big picture, to give thanks. Do you know in the last 12 months, uh, we've grown in the number of communities here. There, We started the church with probably a dozen, maybe 15 of these smaller communities. We call them missional communities. And we're up to 24 this year. And in our last survey, we realized just about half of you are connecting with other people in this community throughout the week in homes and coffee shops and on the job. And that's so thrilling to hear that you and I, were growing in community life. Um, 46 people have been baptized in water in the last 12 months. 46 people have chosen to say publicly, more than that have expressed faith in Jesus, but 46 have said, I'm going in the waters, out with the old and in with the new in Jesus. Uh, In the last 12 months, we've been able to pay our bills, (laughs) which you may not be excited about. I'm kind of giddy about. Because of your generosity, not only was everything covered, but $170,000 was given in this community to plant churches, preach the gospel, take care of the poor and the widow and the orphan here and around the world. And we're not even four years old as a church. What a great thing to be rejoicing. Yeah, we ought to give thanks for what God is doing. God's up to something, God's up to something big. But like, like I said, our Thanksgiving, if we're not careful, it will be rootless. It will fly with our circumstances. And when things are well, I'll be grateful to God. And when things do not go well, my thankfulness can go. How how can God keep us from having a heart 
that's bitter? How can we maintain a heart that's soft and gratitude that's real, even in the highs and lows? Because in this room, it's a mixed bag. Some of us are high as a kite and life is good and you already got all your Christmas shopping done. And, you know, all is well. But there are those of us suffering right here. It's been a year of loss and a year of pain and a year of confusion. But even in that, I think the scriptures call us to a heart that's grateful. Well, how can we find that? It's at the center of your table, actually. I think, and I want to suggest, that it's the bread and the cup. How can my thanksgiving have roots that really stick and grow deep? It's in the bread and the cup. Now, since if you're new here, we we take from the bread and cup every Sunday, every gathering we go and often we walk to the side tables and we pick it up and we take it and we eat and drink. But if we're not careful, we do it so often that we can lose its meaning. So all I want to do this morning is recap the roots of what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Because it's not just a random act, it actually has history. And there are three pictures, more than that, but I want to focus on three that ground what we're about to do. And these pictures can grow deep within you and create a heart that is full of gratitude, even when life is a mess. And so I want to speak to you, those who are suffering right now, don't let those circumstances dictate the status of your heart. You can find life and peace and be grateful even in the middle of trial. So what do these stories represent? Three pictures. The first one is the Exodus. If you remember the Bible, God had called Abram, changed his name to Abraham in Genesis 12, and said, I am going to, I'm going to bless you. Why? Because I want to. You follow me, and your family line is going to be used to bless the entire world. And so Abraham believed God, and his whole family story changed. He had Isaac and Jacob, whose name becomes Israel, and he grows and his family extends. And then Joseph, one of his children, ends up leading the people to salvation in Egypt in the middle of famine. But those of you who know the Bible story, things go south. And the Pharaoh, the leader in Joseph's time was good. But when Joseph dies and that Pharaoh dies, the next leader reigns and gets nervous about this growing people, the Hebrews, called the Israelites. And they're a threat to him. And so instead of being liberators, they're put in bondage. And God's people, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they live for 430 years of abject poverty and slavery. These are the people of God. These are the people of promise. But if you ever felt like God called you, but yet God seems to have abandoned you, you're not alone. That's where the people of God find themselves. But the story of the Exodus is the reminder, and those are the roots of the bread and cup. Uh, Exodus 11, 1 through 2, we'll throw it on the screen for you. It says, Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And after that, Pharaoh will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. God had promised to deliver these people and give them a land and blessing and his presence. But after 430 years, most of the people had given up hope. Generation after generation had suffered and they were not blessed. But in the Exodus, 
God keeps his promise. So if you're a Jew, even to today, the Exodus is the high point of your story. It's the high point of God's history because it's the reminder, the visual, that God in the right time does set his people free. So let's just look at us and apply it. There were moments, seasons, years, decades, that you were not under God's favor, that you were living for yourself, that you were apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, but at the right time, in a real sense, he sets us free. And there is a real exodus. There is a change from the old bondage, slavery, Egypt, sin, and death. And for us, even thousands of years later, many of us can look back to a moment or a season where things changed. And God's love stepped in and we experienced the presence of Jesus Christ. Why should we be thankful? The bread and the cup, the symbols, point to the bigger story that there's real exodus. That God sees us in our misery and he chooses to send deliverance. For the Jews, it was Moses. But for us, there's an even greater man, the Lord Jesus. And in him, we find freedom. So let me just ask you, what specific In what specific ways has Jesus set you free? In a few moments, we want to share what God has done together and around the table. Today, you may be going through a rough patch, but can you just remind yourself, Jesus did something on your behalf and he has set you free. The bread and the cup remind us of the symbol of God's deliverance. Well, that's that's the first picture. The second picture is connected to it. It's the Passover. That may be a new term for you, but those of you who read the Bible in the next chapter after Exodus 11 is Exodus 12. I want to read from a little bit and we'll throw some of it on the screen. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. And you're to determine the amount of lambs needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be a year old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Sounds archaic and strange. But in the middle of God's promise to set the people free, 430 years, hundreds of thousands of people with no chance of escape, God points to a specific way that he's going to set them free. You see, God wants to bring an exodus, but it's not just any old means. He has a specific path, and it's going to be the Passover. So for the future of Israel, this is going to be like the first day of the year for them. They're going to set their entire calendar of their cycle each year based on this act, the Passover. What do they do? Verse 7. Then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they're to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roasted over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. And do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left until morning, you must burn it. This is how you're to eat it. 
with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. We don't have time to get into all the visuals. But they're to gather their family, have a meal together, and eat it with their coat on, their shoes on, and their staff ready to walk. Why? This meal was going to be a reminder that God was about to judge evil and sin and wickedness, but he was going to set apart a people that would not be judged. Those inside the house would be set free. Did you notice the picture? There was an animal to be killed, a goat or a sheep, one year old, without defect. The blood goes over the door frame. Those inside the house are safe. Those outside the house will be judged. We'll throw the rest on the screen. It says, on that same night... I, God speaking, will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's the Passover. I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So the bread and the cup They're signs, they're reminders, they're signposts of God hearing the misery of his people, hearing our cry for mercy and deliverance, and God steps in to save. In what ways has Jesus set you free? And the reason we say Jesus is because Jesus is pictured here in this ancient narrative. Exodus 12 is looking forward to not a sheep or a goat, but a man. Jesus Christ would be, as the New Testament writers, be described as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so, as there is a sacrifice, there's a price for our freedom. And for Moses and the people, is the price of an animal, blood over the doors, one life for another. The animal dies, but the people are set free. And so, in the future, we're going to see that Jesus is going to be the perfect man, no sin, without spot or blemish. And he, at the right time, is going to come, and he is going to give his life as an atoning sacrifice, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. I want us to see the pictures. The bread and the cup are symbols of freedom, but that freedom comes at a price. And we can give thanks today, even though some of us are going through gnarly times, depressing days, family conflict, and all sorts of internal and external problems. But we can rejoice even in the middle of that because you are not without hope. You are not without blessing. You see, God sees us in our darkest days. He sees us in our lowest lows. And he's already acted on our behalf. He wants to give us freedom, Exodus. He wants to give us life, Passover. And so what do we see In this picture, on that night that was to mark out their year, we see that it's a meal. They eat Passover around tables because it's a celebration. God provides food. Yeah, the bitter herbs, the unleavened bread, all symbolic. We can't get into that today, but they were to eat and enjoy God's protection. So today we get a chance to eat and drink together because we are the people who have chosen to follow Jesus and in him we have found a real freedom and a real forgiveness. It's, uh, it's about a sacrifice. The only reason that the, the group can eat in safety is because of the sacrifice of the lamb. And so we remind ourselves today that, well, life might not be perfect, 
We have life, lasting life, because Jesus has chosen to give himself for us. And if you can't rejoice in anything else this morning, if your circumstances are just too bleak, rejoice in the fact that God loved you enough that he sent his son to die in your place and in my place so that if we'll put our trust in him, we would have a life that lasts forever. And it's also a reminder. It's, it's a teaching tool. Passover was meant to be, and the bread and cup is supposed to be symbols of something greater. Exodus 12, we'll throw it on the screen. Later on, he says, obey these instructions. In other words, do this every year as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. And when you enter the land that the Lord gives you, as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? What's the symbols pointing to? Then you tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and, spread our, and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. So we remember the love of God. Today we remember the forgiveness found in Jesus. We remember where we were and who we were before the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see in him progress. Yeah, I'm not perfect, but God is working on me. Yeah, things aren't uh, ideal. This morning I got a text from Carmen. I was here early and I called her up and she's like, like almost crying in pain. And she threw out her back on the way, like getting ready to come here and getting dressed and getting the kids ready. And she so wanted to be here this morning. It's a bummer. I love you. I love my wife so much more. You know, I, so, so even this gathering for me is not perfect. She's not here and because Jonah's 13 and thankfully doesn't drive yet, like the, the family's at home. So yeah, there are things that we can point to and say, this isn't the way it should be. But then I thank God that my wife loves Jesus and that my kids love Jesus and that we found grace and mercy where we don't deserve it. And so I can choose to look at my circumstance or I can choose to look at Jesus. And so we want to focus today, hopefully to stir us to take every day. My heart can be thankful because Jesus has not forgotten me. Well, what Moses and the people of Israel, they celebrated this for century after century. What they didn't anticipate was that Jesus would put a twist. Uh, The Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, they remind us of the Exodus, they remind us of Passover, but they also remind us of the new covenant. Jesus takes these symbols and he points to himself. Luke 22, verses 14 to 20. It says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I'll not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, not happenstance, prepared for the beginning of time. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And when does he go to the cross? He goes to the cross in the season of Passover. It's right before he's going to be arrested. And he says, I want to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I won't eat again until the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he's, he's doing and reenacting what they did year after year. He gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I won't drink it again from the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body for you. 
that, that lamb, that sacrifice, that's not just about an animal, one who, who pays for the price of another. No, the greater picture is that the love of God is going to be displayed fully in Jesus. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, the new agreement in my blood, which is poured out for you. You see, we can give thanks to Jesus because our thanksgiving has roots. It's rooted in God's love. This is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sins. Every time we come to the table, every time we come to the center, as you look in front of you to the bread and the cup, we come to the reminder that God has not forgotten us. And not only did he bring out an ancient people called Israel out of real physical, political, structural bondage and into a physical, literal, structural place called Israel. Not only did he give them land, but he gave them life. And that was to be a picture of what you and I can experience in the Lord Jesus. He is our Passover lamb and he initiates this new agreement, this new covenant. Jeremiah had written about this Years and years prior, 600 years prior, at a time at a low point in the nation of Israel, 600 years before Jesus, Jeremiah says, the day's coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a covenant with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. The problem with God's agreement with us is that we break it. God loves us and yet we still choose to rebel. But God promises a new agreement. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds. I'll write it in their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least to the greatest declares the Lord. Here's the clinching line. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. For I'll forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. We have a future in Jesus. Therefore, our thanksgiving has roots. It's rooted in the faithfulness of God that brings us freedom. It's rootedness in the graciousness of God to send Jesus as a sacrifice. And it's rooted in the invitation of God to experience life in him now. My friend, no matter what we're going through today, by faith, let's give thanks to the Lord Jesus for the good things that he's done. He provides our exodus. He is our Passover and he initiates a new agreement Any one of us can know and walk with the living God because of Jesus. This is the good news.